Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to bring you the latest on our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. So with the trade deadline passed, Miami now looks ahead towards the All-Star break, but beforehand, they had a few games this last week, three games in total, they had a 2-1 week, so they were able to build upon the three-game win streak last week and to get as high as five, which ties uh, two other times this series that they've had a season-high five-game winning streak, and then they dropped the last one to the Mavericks last night, so that streak ends at five. So on the one hand, they've gotten you know a few five-game win streaks. On the other hand, they can never seem to extend beyond that. Um, but first, we have to go through the games. So my going back to last Thursday, actually, sorry, before we do that, uh, just some notes real quick. Caleb Martin was out this entire week due to a sore Achilles. Hopefully he'll be fine. And there was still you know no Victor Oladipo, uh, no Markeith Morris. Uh, we'll get to them a little bit later on. And then Tyler Hero was kind of in and out in the lineup, but we'll get into that uh, as well. But going back to last Thursday, Miami first had their game at the New Orleans Pelicans. This is the end of their six-game road trip and was after the trade deadline. So we knew at that point like who all was going to be there. And all those moves have been made. But this is a game Miami won 112-97 to finish off that road trip. We started that road trip with a back-to-back at the Celtics and the Raptors. We lost both of those, and everything felt bleak. And then Miami rolled off four road wins in a row. Granted, it was not against the the best of competition, but still four road wins is impressive nonetheless. But, um, yeah, so this was the end of the road trip. Tyler Hero was out for this game due to a sore knee. Uh... The win here puts Miami up 2-0 in a best-of-two series against a Western Conference team, so it means not much there. But the going to the recap a little bit itself, Miami was able to build a small lead up 27-24 after the first uh, quarter behind Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, both putting in nine points each. So Bam continuing the aggression that we have seen you know, since, since that Celtics ass-kicking that we had, and even through that Raptors loss, but through here, Bam continuing to be aggressive. In the second quarter, it's actually a little interesting. Uh, Spo threw out Omir Yurt 7 alongside Bam Adebayo, so some Yurt Bam minutes. It wasn't too bad. It ended up, I think it was a plus two points in those few minutes, so it's not like they were getting blown out or anything like that. I was able to kind of stand put. But eventually, you know, Yurt came back out. Um, there was a few lead changes around that time into the second quarter, but Miami eventually had a one-point lead, 56-55 at halftime. Then coming out into the third quarter, Miami went on a 7-0 run to start and then just built upon that momentum through the rest of the quarter, up 83-73 going into the fourth. And then in the fourth, the Pelicans started pushing back. They got the lead down to about as small as four. They traded some buckets. Miami was eventually up seven at that point. So it was 104-97. to And then Miami just scored the last eight points to just completely ice that game, an 8-0 run to close and then finished 112 to 97. And the big ones that stood out for this game, the big takeaways, Bam Adebayo yet again. Loves I love just getting to say this over and over after every game. But um, again, aggressive Bam, 29 points, 10 rebounds, one assist, three steals on 13 of 21 from the field. Uh, I remember, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, talking about, yeah, he had a 7 of 21 game, so it was not his most efficient, but just talking up the idea that Bam was getting up over 20 field goal attempts just sounds awesome in terms of just him looking for his own shot. But same thing here. 
21 attempts, but this time, you know, did, did a little bit better. 13 or 21 instead. And then 3 or 4 from the free throw line. But also a team high plus 25 points because he's doing it on both ends. Not only the scoring, but also the defensive end as well. And it shows in a pl- when you're plus 25 in his minutes. And then uh, of note, 17 points he had in the first half. And then he had eight points in the fourth. So he was doing a lot of damage in the in the first half and then just third quarter coast a little bit and then turned it right back on to close that game out. Alongside him, Jimmy Butler, 29 points, eight rebounds, three assists, four steals, one block. So filling in the stat sheet on nine of 16 from the field, 0 of 1 from three, uh, but 11 of 11 from the free throw line. And then also alongside Bam Adebayo had eight points uh, in the fourth as well. So both of Miami's two best players had nine points in the first quarter to start out the game and then eight points in the fourth quarter to help close the game. So, yeah, that's the kind of production we want to see from them. And then also with them, uh, Kyle Lowry, triple-double, 14 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, four steals on five of nine from the field, and then four of seven from three. So really good complementary scoring from Kyle Lowry as well as, you know, the usual playmaking and rebounding to just make this, like, a really good win. Uh, overall, Miami, not the, they still did this despite not their best shooting performance. Even though I say with Kyle Lowry going 4-7, he was pretty much like the, he was the one propping up that shooting. So Miami overall shot 10-32 from three-point, good for 31%. Duncan Robinson, 2-10, uh, Struess, 2-6, Vincent, 1-4, Tucker, 1-3, so... Yeah, Kyle Lauer was really the only efficient three-point shooter that they had going for them. Um, but fortunately, they were able to get the other help from Bam and Jimmy instead to, to make this uh, pretty easy win overall. After yeah, after the Pelicans, Miami would finally come home and start to get some home games again. They would host the Brooklyn Nets last Saturday in a game that they won 115 to 111. Hero did actually play this game, although he did look like he was a little bit uh, Andrew, he wasn't quite his best, but he ended up being one of seven players that Miami had that all that scored in double figures, which does sound really impressive. Although the only weird part about it is that though they had seven in double figures, no one scored 20 or more points. So it was just kind of really spread all around kind of thing with no one really stepping up to be that primary scorer. Uh, but this uh, win puts Miami up 2-0 in a best of four series against the Nets. So... While the Nets at the at where they're at right now, they look like they might end up like they're still within distance, I guess I should say, just barely. But uh, Miami already having that tiebreaker, uh, not having to worry about that tiebreaker because they're already up two zero and could potentially go up three one um, or even four zero, or but just worst case two two. Anyway, to go into yeah, Miami the in Brooklyn they were tied twenty six twenty six in the first half because just because Miami. They weren't able to get any sort of separation at all from, from the Nets. It was just a lot of back and forth. Going into the second, though, Miami would go on a 9-0 run to put them up early and then just kind of ride that momentum and do some back and forth until they were eventually only up 6, though, 64-58 going into halftime. Coming out to the third, though, Miami came out again on a strong run. 11-0 run, put the heat up as much as 19 points, and then they were able to push a little bit more as high as 21. It looked like Miami was going to coast towards a win. They, you know, settled down a little bit. They only ended up being up 15, up 91-76 going into the fourth. But, you know, at the time it was like, all right, cool, maybe we can get the starters some rest. 
Nope. <laughs> Kyrie Irving came alive in the fourth quarter for the Brooklyn Nets. It was, this was an example of, despite all the headaches and the problems that come with Kyrie, like, he only can play on road games. So the only reason he was even in this game is because it was on the road. Because he won't divulge his vaccine status to get it. But the reason why he put up with it is because of what he does in the fourth quarter. 20 points. Miami could not stop him at all. But powered a Brooklyn comeback. They got the lead down to as close as one. It was 112 to 111. And the Heat were able to just score the last three points to close that game out. But, yeah. At the end of the day, great win. It is concerning that, uh, you know, like it is always concerning when you blow a 21-point lead and it's down to one. Same time, though, nobody's like nobody's ever going to remember that game. Like, for example, nobody's ever going to remember the game where the Warriors blew a 20-point lead during the Durant Warriors era because it was like they won the title. Nobody cares. Um, but end of the day, they able to, Miami was able to walk away with the win. Uh, Takeaways from the game, Bam Adebayo, yet again, kept it going. Uh, 19 points, 14 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 8 of 12 from the field, 3 of 5 from the free throw line, and a team high again, plus 22. The only thing that kind of stood out for me is that it looked like he... Brooklyn, as a specific matchup, my uh, Bam will usually torch because Brooklyn does not have the best defenders for him. So I would have liked to see Bam... Like, obviously, still 19 points, 8 of 12 from the field. Like, he got up a good number of shots. But this should have been a game I, I felt he should have been more in the 16 field goal attempt kind of range. Um, after him, though, Tyler Hero coming back for, for that one game. 15 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist. 4-11 from the field, so not quite as efficient. But a big problem, 0-3 from the 3-point range. The I think the knee is starting to bother him. I think... Yeah, the last game he played, I want to say he was o or a game around that last week, whatever. He had an 0 for 5 game from 3. So I think the the knee problems, which we'll get into a little bit later on, is starting to affect his shooting. But good thing we have the All-Star break coming up. His mechanics, for the most part, should still be good. 7 of 7 from the line. So, like, that part, like you don't have to use your knee quite as much if, if you're doing a jump shot from three versus just doing a free throw so to me what that shows is his mechanics are still good if he's you know going 100 percent with high volume from the free throw line if the problem is he can't shoot threes then that may more so just be like his knee and you know like all all that that has to go into getting a good jump shot up but uh, outside of hero miami was able to survive a bad turnover game against the Nets. So Miami didn't commit a ton of turnovers, only 15, which for this team is is not too bad. Um, like we've seen them have 20 plus turnover games just because they're, they pass so much. It It is a flaw with the way that Miami conducts their offense, but you take it because the positives outweigh the negatives, blah, blah, blah. But Brooklyn only had eight turnovers. So that was kind of the big thing was more so Miami not forcing turnovers on Brooklyn. Like, if they had gotten them into double digits or even gotten them closer to, like, 13 or so turnovers, probably is not as close a game at all. This Heat team does have Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to a degree as well. But, like, those three are all good defensive players that you're... I'm not surprised if I see them have two, three steals in a night between, like, individually. So, uh, regardless, overall, also, like, a little bit better shooting game for Miami, not quite their best. Uh, they shot 10 to 29 from three, so still not getting the volume up I had hoped. But 10 to 29, still good for 35%. 
Duncan Robinson had a pretty good shooting night, uh, 5 of 8 from 3. Max Struess, not too bad, 3 of 7. Deadman, 1 of 2, so low volume but high efficiency. And then Gabe Vincent, 1 of 2, so kind of the same as well. But Vincent's volume will, will vary based on his minutes. But overall, great win for Miami. And now at this point, a five-game win streak. And then came Tuesday. Miami would host the Dallas Mavericks in a game that they would lose their win streak 99-107. to This is also a game that Tyler Hero ended up sitting out. Uh, I guess that knee started to bother him again. And then also Dwayne Dedman was out this game due to listed as a sore back. But overall, this is a West Coast team, so it doesn't really matter. I'm sorry, Western Conference team, so it doesn't matter too much. Uh, The season series, one of one for whatever that matters. But the game itself. Miami was up 28-23 after a first with really solid center play between Bam and Yurt. I think it was Bam had six, and then Yurt, because since Deadman's out, Yurt seven stepped in as the backup center. I want to say Yurt had, I think, eight points, so it was like 14 points between the two of them. So, yeah, about half, yeah, half of Miami's offense in the first quarter came from their centers. In the second quarter, they were able to get their lead as high as 13 uh, so looked like all right, Matt, Miami was was in, back in control. This might roll to a six game win streak. Um, the Mavs scored the last five to only have the Heat up fifty nine fifty one. But you still felt pretty good going into the second half, especially considering how Miami for this win streak has really been handling teams in the third quarter. <laughs> um, it ended up being the opposite. It was the third quarter again. They just everything just kind of fell apart. What really fell apart from Miami, one of eleven from three point range in the third quarter. Like that kind of shooting just kills a team. Uh, Jimmy Butler though kept the Heat alive with ten points, but the Heat lost their lead. They were up eight go at start, the start of the quarter. They were down three, seventy eight eighty one going into the fourth. And then the fourth quarter itself was you know it was a bit of the same. It was bad shooting, and then it was Jimmy Butler, this time with 11 points, that was able to keep the Heat alive for a bit. But in the end, no one really stepped up alongside to help him in in any major way. And, yeah, it ended up being a 99-107 loss. So, major takeaways here. Jimmy Butler, phenomenal game. 29 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists on an 8-18 from the field, so not quite the most efficient. And there was definitely some, some possessions where... You just see Jimmy just kind of dribbling, 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 and nothing else is going on to help him out. Uh, so then he has to jack up a shot that misses. 0-2 from three, but where he made his bread and butter, as he usually does, 13 of 14 from the free throw line. And of those points that he had, the 29 points, 21 came in the second half trying to keep the heat alive. Like, if Jimmy Butler doesn't do that, th- this is a blowout loss. So uh, even though it is a loss and that sucks, like, you got to give Jimmy Butler his props for trying to keep the heat in there. Uh, Bam Adebayo, still pretty yeah, pretty good aggressive game. Uh, 21 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks. 10 of 19 from the field, so still getting those shot attempts up and you know producing well for it. So 1 of 2 from the free throw line, so I think it's looking like he's getting more to the rim now and just not, draw, not drawing as many fouls. But 13 points in the first half, only 8 in the second, and I... Th- in the second half, I think that's where really like that. That's where we're talking like, all right, Bam, this team is struggling from three. We need you to do a little bit more on the offensive end at that point. Try to help uh, Butler. You know, Jimmy Butler's out there doing ten points in a quarter, and you do eight and a half. Maybe if, if there's a way to try to balance that out a little bit more. Uh, overall, though, there's another time where Miami 
like it was another problem that they had forcing turnovers. So they did better on their end. They only had 12 turnovers versus 15 against Brooklyn. But again, they only got eight turnovers out of Dallas. So it kind of was a question. I mean, granted, for Dallas, most of the ball handling is done by Luka Doncic, and he's a phenomenal passer, so it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, I think it kind of just goes to show Miami was not quite getting the, you know, they're having a problem right now generating those turnovers with their defense, which just feels unusual. But I think the biggest one for this, and why I'm overall I'm not too worried about a loss like this, they just had a really really bad shooting night. 7 of 27 from 3, which is uh, good for 26%. Gabe Vincent, 0 of 7. Duncan Robinson, 1 of 5. Struess and Tucker, 1 of 3 each. So they, they were not getting any of their shooting. If you, it, it, again, it's one of the situations where it's like, all right, if Miami shoots like their average, which gives them like two or three more threes, then this is a much, much different game. Um, yeah, my, you give them three threes and they win this game. That's a 108-107. So if you're mainly losing and the big thing you can point to is like a really bad shooting night, that happens in an 82-game series. So it's unfortunate that it ends Miami's win streak, but whatever, we can bounce back from and just have a better shooting night another time. Moving on from there, just first I wanted to just take a look at the current state of like the roster, just take a look at where some of the key players are. So Tyler Hero, as you kind of mentioned, is currently suffering a knee contusion. I looked a little bit into this. This was one that he suffered in the Hornets game on February 5th. He like knocked knees with somebody. Um, it's a little interesting that it's, it's causing him to go a little bit in and out, but overall I'm not too concerned, especially with him being young and the All-Star break coming up. He'll be fine. Uh, Caleb Martin is having a lingering sore Achilles, which like usually that's, that's kind of any time you hear Achilles it's a red flag. It doesn't matter what sport you play. Like Achilles is huge. Uh, hopefully that's all it is. Is just a sore Achilles. It would have been used. Like he, he, look going back to a game like say like the the Mavs or the Nets. Like that was a game where not having Caleb Martin I think really shone because you could have put him on Doncic or you could have put him on Kyrie to try to stop them. But overall, I just hope that you know he's fine. Um, the other interesting thing for Martin, though, is he was converted to a full contract finally. So because uh, the Heat originally had a 14 rosters, which so they had one roster spot left open, and then the KZ trade opens up a spot, so that drops him to 13, and they converted, to no surprise, converted Caleb Martin to a full contract. So now he's officially a part of the roster and therefore is playoff eligible. So we'll talk about that later, um, later on when we get closer to the playoffs. But the other things, uh, there's been no updates on Markeith Morris. Take that for what you will. Um, I think I think we might have to end up having to wait a few weeks before we get anything big on him. Although there there is always the stuff circling around social media where it looks like he's practicing and things like that. Uh, and then probably the biggest thing for now, Victor Oladipo is progressing in his recovery. He was listed late last night that he'll be going to the Miami Heat G League affiliate this Sayu Falls Skyforce. I'm probably saying that wrong. The the first part, but the the, the Skyforce. <laughs> anyway, he's going there, and he's up, but he's not going to be participating in games specifically. What he's going there to do though is actually get full five on five practice. And usually, this is the kind of thing that you'll see when players are coming back from big injuries. I know um, Steph Curry when he was recovering from his hand injury a year or two ago did a similar thing where he went to the G League and then just to get some practice and then came back up. So what that signals to me is maybe around the time of like, 
I don't think it'll... I mean, if he's going down to get that practice now, at the very least, it's probably not until the All after All-Star break that he would come back. But, you know, we, we could be talking like a month or less, maybe. Again, there's, there's been nothing official that's been put out. So outside of uh, the roster watch then, uh, the other big thing that obviously happened was the trade deadline, although it ended up not being any eventful. Miami only ended up doing the one move where they <clears throat> sent out Casey Apala for essentially the draft capital of a second-round pick and then also to adjust the protections that they had on their first-round pick um, with the Oklahoma City Thunder that essentially frees up Miami. They could send out either their 2022 or 20. 23 first round pick so since the uh picks are like after the lottery range once you get into like the uh 15 and beyond in the first draft uh yeah the first round of the draft that all depends upon your regular season record in reverse order so obviously if you have like if you're the phoenix suns and you have the best record when the regular season ends you have the 30th pick in the first round uh, that just kind of makes sense intuitively. So Miami currently has the fourth uh, best record. So they would have the 26th pick in this year's draft, which to me, at that point, you're pretty much closer to like a second round pick than you are like a true lottery pick. I don't think Miami's 2022 pick is, is that worthwhile. The 2023 pick may be dependent upon how you want to view the roster. But the other major reason why you did this is that you didn't take any players coming back. You just sent KZ out, and so that frees up another roster spot. Because originally Miami was in a position of having to wonder, okay, we convert Caleb Martin, but then we're, we're at 15, and we can't bring anybody else on the buyout market. So by sending KZ out and then essentially putting Martin in, in his spot, you still have that extra roster spot for the buyout market. So well, Miami, like, well, that was a that was a good like it's a flexibility type move, if you will. Like it didn't really do anything to actually change the team, because okay, you put Caleb Martin like you convert him to an actual roster spot. That doesn't change anything for the team outside of he can be available for the playoffs. But what it does is it makes the organization more flexible to do other types of moves because now they have more draft assets to work with. Unfortunately, they couldn't materialize those moves into anything else, at least for the trade deadline. Uh, I, I, In the last podcast, I was a big proponent of them going for P.J. Washington. There was rumors that they were going for several players. They just could not get any deals to materialize. That happens sometimes. Like, like if you're going to a Hornets, the Hornets went and got Montrez Harrell at the trade deadline, and they might say, okay, we don't need Amir Yurtseven anymore if we got Montrez Harrell. To which I would probably counter-argument and go, you know this dude kind of sucks in the playoffs? He He's sucked in the playoffs for a few years, which is why he keeps going around to different teams. And he's also much older and doesn't really fit your timeline versus an unknown in your seven that's at least several years younger. But that was a decision made and they maybe they didn't feel like they needed a center like your seven anymore. So nothing materialized for it as, as much as I personally would have hoped. I thought it would have made our roster complete, but with, um, with the trade deadline done, we now look ahead to the buyout market. So the buyout market itself, it could take a few more weeks to really see what ends up happening because the deadline for playoff eligibility for a player is to be bought out by March 1st. So you could, like, there are some players that have already started getting bought out. Usually this happens around the trade deadline. A player will get traded to the team, and then they just kind of have an agreement, like, look, we're going to buy you out 
We're not going to make you stand around here. And then you go into a free agency. So, for example, Goran Dragic has been released. So he is currently a player. Uh, and there are some rumors that Miami might bring him in um, in the buyout market. But they may not do that immediately because somebody else could be available in a week or two. Again, you have until the end of the month to negotiate these, because sometimes you may also get hung up in negotiating the buyout. No, I want to keep another million dollars. Oh, really? Are you sure you want to hold up your buyout just trying to get a, a little bit more money, or do you actually want to go to a contending team? Negotiation shit like that. But I say that, though, to mean that Miami might go, all right, look, bring in Dragage. It would be a great feel-good story, but it would not materially make the team better. Because love Dragage. I don't think he's getting minutes over Vincent. I don't think he's getting minutes over Oladipo or Hero or Lowry. So you're bringing in, it would be like a Udonis Haslam type move where you're not bringing in somebody to make the, the team better per se, but you're bringing in like a spokesman. Like Dragic, Dragic was the team leader alongside Haslam for a few seasons. So it would be a move like that. Let's try to make the locker room a little more camaraderie or things like that. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't transit to the court versus say, it, I, I can't think of names off the top of my head for potential, you know, power backup power forwards but they could be available in the next few weeks and Miami wouldn't want to dedicate themselves to that just yet so yeah the playoff eligibility is March 1st um yeah there were some some rumors around Goran Dragic who was bought out I I don't know like you if I if I saw it and saw that they were agreeing to Goran Dragic I would pretty much take that to mean like there was no other buyout candidates and they wanted to make the culture move like if there ends up being no other buyout candidates and Dragic is still out there then at that point, yeah, I really do hope Miami does pick him up because, one, it would, it would feel good to have Dragic back, and then, two, I think it could at least make some sort of an impact uh, culturally, like just in the locker room. So with that part, we'll just uh, look real quick ahead. We have the All-Star Weekend coming up. So unfortunately for Miami, there is no one, no one representing the Heat in the Rising Stars Challenge. We don't have any rookies that would qualify. Tyler Hero is too old. Uh, nobody in the skills competition, it's whatever. Nobody in the dunk, nobody in the three-point contest, that's whatever. Duncan had a down year. So the only representation the Heat will have, one, Eric Spolstra, coaching the Eastern All-Stars because he had the best record uh, when it mattered most. He will be leading the East, and I think that it is a uh, something to kind of put a little feather in the cap for what I will, again, continue to say is a Coach of the Year performance. A uh, quick update on that. So um, Spo has kind of edged out Kerr in some of like, the betting odds, but it's really looking like Monty Williams is the, is the favorite. And um, I, I, cannot, I cannot argue against it because he is definitely deserving of Coach of the Year as well with, with the way that Phoenix has had so much success. I would just counter-argue and say that I don't think that he has had to deal with the type of injury adversity that the Miami Heat have done. And the Miami Heat... Still also a number one seed. Though they're the fourth in the league, they are the number one in the East, a very competitive East. And I think that puts Spo at least on the level as Monty Williams. Like, if you told me it was Williams 1, Spolster 2, I'd be fine with that. I can understand that. Though I, I would put Spolster 1, Williams 2 at this point. But uh, outside of Spolstra, the other person representing the Miami Heat will be Jimmy Butler in the All-Star game. He was listed as a reserve and has been picked for Team LeBron. So that'll be a little interesting just to see Jimmy Butler and LeBron James playing together. 
the All-Star game's, like, usually pretty chill. It's, it's just a fun, entertaining game. Uh, that's about all I'm really looking forward to out of it. <laughs> so that'll wrap up the representation Miami will have on All-Star weekend. So before we head out, let's do the usual, take a look at the standings, and then we'll just look ahead for the next week. So in the East... Currently, uh, Miami is still the number one seed in the East. They are tied with the Chicago Bulls in terms of record, 37 to 21. However, since they actually have the same record, and it's not that like bullshit before where the Bulls played less games in the Heat, so technically they had better winning percentage points. Like, nah, this is the same record now. So now we actually go to that damn tiebreaker where we have a 2-0 lead on the Bulls and therefore get to keep our first seed. Suck it. But um, after that, in the three through five spots are our usual group. These are only a game and a half to two and a half games back. So, again, the top five of the East are just packed together. Um, Bucks third, Cavs fourth, Sixers fifth. And, like, like literally those, those are changing on the daily. So you look one day, that could be different, or you look another day, it's a different. Point, though, obviously, is that they're all just together. Then in the six through seven spot, so, you know, last playoff spot, Top play-in spot, these are three and a half to five games back. The Boston Celtics, who are surging and looking pretty scary, I'm not going to lie. They're on, I think, a nine-game win streak where they're just... Like, I know last night they beat the Sixers by 48. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this team's a little bit sca- looking scary, and they're on that, that kind of, like, really dominant win streak. I would really like Miami to get on. But regardless, they're going up the stands, and they're currently at six right now. Not too far behind them, though. The Raptors, who are also doing pretty well uh, in the seventh spot. Then uh, in the eighth, six and a half games back of where Miami's right now is the Brooklyn Nets, who I think they're starting to like settle to their equilibrium points uh, without Kevin Durant. And then once they have Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, I would not be surprised to see them start to push up as well. Uh, cause yeah, eighth, eighth is no fun. I mean, it's at least eighth is not the worst because if you win that seven, eight matchup, at least you, you automatically go to that seventh seed, but yeah, you still want to obviously not be in the plan at all. After Nets in the ninth, eight and a half games back right now, the Charlotte Hornets and they, yeah, they're looking like that. That might be about their spot, a play in team. Uh, they might be able to push a little bit more. Really kind of makes you wonder what they could do with like a young center like Omir Yurt Seven instead of PJ Washington. But I digress. Um, and then the tenth spot, just still barely clinging to a playing spot, nine and a half games back of the Heat, the Atlanta Hawks. And yeah, I only mentioned those just because they're it's in the play-in, so that kind of matters. So that wraps up the standings. So going ahead for the next week, Miami has one game left before the All Star break. They they have one road game, and then they are off until the Friday of the following week. So I'll still have an episode next week because I'll recap this game and then I'll preview the post-All-Star game uh, games as well. All-Star, All-Star break games as well. <laughs> um, but for the one game they have left, they'll be at the Charlotte Hornets this Thursday. This is a Hornets team. Like I said, they're ninth in the East. Their record is 29-30, and 30, so they're just below 500. Miami already has a 2-0 lead in them in a best-of-four series. Although, where they're at right now in ninth and, what was that, eight and a half games back, probably don't need to worry about the tiebreaker anyway. Um, But they will have played at the Wolves yesterday, and this will be the first of what will, uh, in total, be a three-game homestand. Yeah, this is also their last game before the All-Star break as well. Uh, In terms of injuries, they did have two players out yesterday. Uh, One was Cody Martin, but I didn't recognize the other one, so not too significant there. 
the big one though for them the uh, Gordon Hayward out indefinitely, and yeah they they are not they are like without Gordon Hayward they are a play in level team with him they they can go for the playoffs but without him like play in level only so that's why for the most part I'm not too concerned about this game even if it is on the road for the defensive end it's kind of the same stuff we saw the before because we played them like I think yeah that was the game that Tyler Hero injured his knee uh, on February fifth but like we saw there. It's the same game plan. Slow down the pace because the Hornets love to get on pace. They're first in pace in the league, so they went up from second to first, even after we slowed them down that one game, just to kind of show that they are emphasizing speed even more. And then just guard LaMelo Ball and just make him work. And this is an all-star level LaMelo Ball. I think he, from a from a mix of entertainment, youth, skill kind of things, I, I think he, he's an all-star, sure. I mean, this were, these were the coaches that selected it, not um, players. So, and then for the offensive end on Miami, just grind out the possessions. So that way you can keep the pace slow. You know, get around, pass a lot, hunt for that good shot, and take this game as the one to, to get out. Miami has not had a, a terrible shooting slump, but it's been below average for them, where it's, they had like 31, 35, and then 26% shootings for the last week. This is the game you can bust out of it, because the um, Hornets are 29th in opponent three-point attempts. They just let the opponents shoot a ton. And the opponents tend to shoot a lot really well as well, 22%. So this could be a game where Miami can go out and get up a ton of threes and just kind of breathe a sigh of relief and feel good before going into the All-Star break. I think this is a solid win for Miami. It would have been nice if we had taken care of the Mavs one so that this could have been like a seven-game winning streak going to the All-Star break. But... Uh, that's fine. Pick up the win. Go into All-Star break feeling good. Come back out with a Victor Oladipo, hopefully. Uh, and, yeah, get ready to just own the post-All-Star push to the playoffs. But that'll be all for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow the pod at Heaters Heating on Twitter or myself at KBR Heat Nation. Trying to be more active on the personal Twitter. Also, check out the other pods we have at OTG Basketball on Twitter as well. I'll be back next week, and until then, stay heating and have a good one, Heat Nation.